born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Got a couple things I want to share with you tonight. I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to the book of 1 John, the book of 1 John. And chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2. The question is, I'd like to ask y'all is, is it true, I mean really true, that when it comes to going to heaven, that a man is not saved by his works? Is that true? He's not saved by his works. Y'all agree with that? And you would agree with that because you have scripture to back it up, right? First John 5.13, does it say anything about not of works in that verse? You can know you're going to heaven. That ought to eliminate the works issue, huh? <laughs> but is there a verse you can come up with that says that you know that works have nothing to do with it? What is that? The word works in the verse. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So that's a good verse. That's a good verse that says that it's not by works. Is there any other verse? Romans 4, 5. And what does it say? He that believeth on him is not condemned. No, it believes... Uh, he, but him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Is there any other verse that talks about that? Like Titus somewhere? Titus 3, 5, and what does it say? Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he hath saved us. And then eleven six, Romans eleven six. Anybody know that verse? Can quote it real quick? And if it's by grace... It is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, it can't be by grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. So there are a few verses in the Bible that says that um, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. So we know and we accept that. And we know there's absolutely 100% nothing that I have to do to be saved or stay saved. So are you telling me that I can trust Christ as my Savior and I don't have to go to church? I don't have to go to church. So is it true then that I can trust Christ as my Savior? I don't have to go to church. 
I don't have to change my life. No, wait a minute now. I'm a chain smoker. I drink a lot. I'm on drugs. You're trying to tell me I don't have to stop any of those things, and I'll still go to heaven when I die. Is that what you're saying? Is that what you believe? You really believe that? So you're trying to tell me that I don't have to do anything, no change in my life, have no evidences in my life, no fruit in my life, and I can still go to heaven when I die. Y'all believe that? Y'all are a strange bunch. You know, a lot of people don't believe like y'all believe. I'm trying to decide if I want to believe y'all, y'all's way or not. Now, whenever we go to that extreme, and it's not really an extreme, it's just the truth. It's just the hard-cold facts that God loves us that much. Now, when it comes to service, it seems like when it comes to service, God's, He doesn't cut us any slack. There's some things that just seems like, hey, can't you bend just a little bit? Uh, can't we cut a few corners? Can't you kind of let up a little bit? Now, we know we have to learn to grow in the Lord, and it takes time. And some people are, you know, they take a two, three baby steps, you know, every other year. <laughs> and so they're very slow in growing. And other people just, man, they grow like wildfire. And they catch on, and they just grow, grow, grow. But not everybody grows at the same rate. So the question is, look there in 1 John chapter 2, and look what he says there in verse 15. When God says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, except just a little. If it's just a little bit of love, it's okay. Just not a lot of love. Isn't that not what it says? See, it doesn't cut us any slack on this. It doesn't say, except, you know, if you really do love them, okay, it's okay. No, he says, love not the world, neither the things in the world. I mean, there's, there's no compromise. What does God want from us? Perfection in our Christian life? Why don't he cut us a little slack? Because, I mean, after all, have you ever had parents that were really disciplined? Really strict. If they were really strict, we say they were abusive parents, you know, of us years ago. I did have abusive parents. Well, my daddy anyway. My mom wasn't too bad. She was a little tight, and she was no threat to me, really. Last time she tried to beat the tar out of me was with a broom. <laughs> she had a broom, and I'm sitting on the couch, and she's swinging the broom at me, and I just move my leg, and she'd miss. She'd swing it again, and I'd just move it, and she'd miss. <laughs> and she, she couldn't hit me with the broom. And finally, she, she broke down and started laughing, and so did I. <laughs> she never tried to hit me again. Now, my daddy was a different a breed altogether. He killed me on a number of occasions. But it's like the Lord cuts us no slack on this. I um, got something I wanted to share with you, and then we're going to go to Luke chapter 14. You go ahead and turn there. Somebody sent this to me, and I thought this is good. I've seen it years ago, but it kind of refreshed my mind. Arlington Cemetery, they have a tomb of an unknown soldier. I mean, y'all knew that. Y'all knew that. And they have guards that uh, kind of guard the tomb of the unknown soldier who represents all the people that died for our country, but nobody knows who they are or where they are, just, you know, people died. 
How many steps does the guard take doing his walk across the tomb of the unknowns? How many steps does he take doing his walk across the tomb of the unknown? And why? Are you asking or are you? It is 21. It is 21. I'll leave it to a Marine to get it right. It's 21 steps. It alludes to the 21-gun salute, which is the highest honor given any military or foreign dignitary. A 21-gun salute. Now, I've done a lot of funerals, and I've had a lot of military funerals I've had to do. And they'll have the guys line up, and they'll shoot them things off, scare everybody half to death. But they will do that. And they usually have about seven guys, and they do it three times. Now, number two, how long does he hesitate after his about face to begin his return walk, and why? 21 seconds for the same reason as answering number one. Why are his gloves wet? His gloves are moistened to prevent his losing his grip on the rifle. I lost mine on several occasions. I'd be in the drill hall, and you'd be at parade rest, and there's thousands of us in there. Hot drill hall, middle of July. And you're talking about sweats just to pouring off of you. And you're standing in there. And you stand there for so long, and you're not supposed to lock your knees. If you do, you could pass out. And every once in a while, you would hear him passing out. And so company commander came by and said, hut, ten, hut. And so you pulled a snap to and pull that piece back. Well, my hand had gone to sleep. <laughs> so when I came to, it went right on back, and I'm on the front row. And I was waiting for it to crash on that drill floor. And all of a sudden, I felt it coming back to my hand. The guy behind me caught it, and he moved it back up to my hand. Oh, my God. Because the last thing you want to do is be made an example. But I had to get some hand movement. I had to get some feeling in my hand because I know what you're going to do next. <laughs> and then sometimes you'll either do a 9 or a 13 count, rifle count. And you've got to do all the counts. And I was sweating. And then so they would have you stand like this here. And the, they call it a piece. And right there on the end of the barrel is the little where your eye. And it sticks out on it. And you could hear the guy's all the way around the drill hall, different ones just passing out. And when they fell forward, they fell right dead on top of that thing, right into their forehead. And we had a couple of guys down from me, and he went down. And nobody moves, nobody helps him. You just let him lay there. And I kept thinking, oh, I don't want to pass out. Oh, I don't want to pass out. <laughs> but scare you to death. But they would drill you because they wanted to teach you discipline. They would even come by, and they would... They got that collar on your T-shirt and see if it's clean. And they come up here and they rub you like this, yeah. If you've got any fuzz. Some of the guys couldn't even shave. <laughs> they had, all they had was peach fuzz. They couldn't have a beer. But they would just irritate you sometimes, doing their best to teach us discipline. These things were done. And whenever you study the Bible... When it comes to serving the Lord, do you think that God's soldiers should be less disciplined than those for their military? Now, they are disciplined. They have to take orders. 
They don't give orders. They just report for duty. Let me give you this. Does he carry his rifle on the same shoulder all the time? And if not, why not? He carries the rifle on the shoulder away from the tomb. After his march across the path, he executes an about face and moves the rifle to the outside shoulder. How often are the guards changed? Guards are changed every 30 minutes, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. What are the physical straits of the guard's limit, guard limited to? For a person to apply for guard duty at the tomb, he must be between 5 foot 10 and 6'2". And his waist size cannot exceed 30. Uh, that took care of me. 30 inch waist. They must commit two years of life to guard the tomb, live in barracks under the tomb, and cannot drink any alcohol on or off duty for the rest of their lives. They cannot swear in public for the rest of their lives and cannot disgrace the uniform or the tomb in any way. Now, is that too strange? And yet they have people in line that want to do this. Some people love to be disciplined because they want it for themselves, but they can't do it for themselves, so impose it upon me and require it. Anyway, the guard is given a reed pin that is worn on their lapel, signifying they served as guard of the tomb. There are only 400 presently worn. The guard must obey these rules for the rest of their life or give up the reed pin. The shoes are specially made with very thick soles to keep the heat and cold from their feet. They are metal heel plates that extend to the toe of the shoe in order to make the loud click as they come to a halt. There is no wrinkles, folds, or lint on the uniform. Guards dress for duty in front of a full-length mirror. We have a mirror. You know what it is? The Word of God. The first six months of duty, a guard cannot talk to anyone nor watch TV. All off-duty time is spent studying the 175 notable people laid to rest in Arlington National Cemetery a guard must memorize who they are and where they are interred. Along the notables are President Taft, Joe Lewis, the boxer, Medal of Honor winner, Audie Murphy, the most decorated soldier of World War II and of Hollywood fame. Every guard spends five hours a day getting his uniform ready for guard duty. Eternal rest grants them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. Now, this is something that I heard about years ago. In 2003, as Hurricane Isabel was approaching Washington, D.C., our U.S. Senate and House took two days off with anticipation of the storm. On the ABC Evening News, it was reported that because of the dangers from the hurricane, the military members assigned the duty of guarding the tomb of the unknown. Soldiers were given permission to suspend the assignment. They respectively declined the offer. No way, sir. Soaked to the skin, marching in the pelting rain of a tropical storm, they said that guarding the tomb was not just an assignment. It was the highest honor that can be afforded to a service person. The tomb has been patrolled continuously 24-7 since 1930. That's uh, a long time. Now, should um, the Lord expect as much discipline from us as we do from somebody like that or somebody who goes into the military 
Take your Bible and look at this. Let's go for a verse that I want you to look at. First of all, uh, right there in the book of Luke, look in Luke chapter 14. And you'll notice there in verse 27 that the Lord has even told them what kind of love they are to have. And that his love was more important than the love of anyone else. God demands that if you want to follow him, you have to love him supremely. So he says in verse 27, And whosoever doth not bear his cross, come after me, cannot be my disciple. Now for salvation you come to Christ, but service is following after Christ. This is not talking about how to get to heaven. This is talking about discipleship. Being a follower, a learner. And then he talks about it in verse 28. When these guys want to do this, they have to sit down and count the cost. Am I willing to discipline myself to do this for this long? So he says in verse 28, For which of you intended to build a tower or sit it not down first and counteth the cost? There's a price to be paid. What does it cost to uh, get saved? nothing. Jesus paid the cost. Now, we're talking about something different. Discipleship, following the Lord, can cost you everything. Because, you see, you have to be willing to do whatever he wants, go wherever he wants, be however he wants. It entails your whole life. Everything about yourself. And if you're talking about you really want God to use you, you have to be honest with God. Wouldn't God know if you're not honest? Wouldn't God know if you're not clean and pure? Doesn't God know your thoughts, your real feelings? So if you're going to really serve the Lord, you've got to be honest with God. And if you're not honest with God, you're not serving Him. doesn't matter what you do and where you go. He knows the heart of man. So he says, this is why some people begin, but they can't finish. And why can't they finish? They didn't count the cost. You see what he says in verse 30? Saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. It's like a Christian said, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to dedicate my life to the Lord. And they begin. But then it gets too hard, so I quit. Didn't you count the cost? Didn't you decide this is really what I want for my life? What did you expect it to be? So then he says here in verse 31, oh, What king goeth to make war against another king? Set it not down first. Consulted whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. Uh, in other words, um, this is going to be rough. I mean, I got 10,000, he got 20,000. Mm-hmm. Now, are you going to get some good counseling on whether or not you should do this or not? Do you really sit down and talk to the Lord and get some good counseling from the greatest counselor of all? Do you expect it to be done without a war? That there's not somebody that wants to stop you? This serving God is a, it's a battle. Now, salvation going to heaven, absolutely as free as free can get. But discipleship will cost you everything. And when you're limited in your dedication, you're limited in your use. So if you really want God to use you, dedicate yourself to him. Now look what else he says here. You see there in verse 33? So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath. Now, do you see any compromise in there? Is it supposed to be any compromise in there? I, I couldn't find none. I was looking for a little loophole. 
You know, in case I just want to slide by just a little bit. You know, I don't see where that's in the scriptures. Now, God does talk about us growing, but as we grow, we don't become more lackadaisical in our Christian life. We become more committed, more disciplined, more convinced. You know, it's just, it's more, not less. And then he talks about the salt. And that you don't have a purpose, what, what good are you? And that's why it's so important. So what I want you to do is look at a few verses with me. Look in the book of Mark. Matthew, Mark. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And look there in verse 17. Because, you know, you've heard the parable of the sower and all. And it's in here. But look what he says in verse 17. There's some of the seed that falls upon stony ground in verse 16. And um, it says, when they heard the word, immediately received it with gladness and have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time. Now, there is a good definition of many Christians carry. They endure but for a time. But you can't depend on them. They're not, they're not faithful. Remember this. The preacher, the preacher should be able to depend upon people to be faithful. Yes or no? Do the people expect the pastor to be faithful? So it's run both ways, don't it? But if Christian life, the Christian life, is like a nothing but a big smorgasbord, you know, a big buffet where we can just pick and choose and just get whatever we want and maybe not even get anything if we don't want it, you know, that's one thing, but there's things that God has told us to do. And you're not supposed to just pick the areas that, well, I like doing this, but I don't like that. I like this, I don't like that. I found out over the years, serving the Lord is not doing the things I like. It's faithfully doing the things I don't like. Because there's more things that I don't like to do than there is that I do like to do. There's times when I just like to do nothing. You've been there? Just like to do nothing. But there's always something to do. And there's a time when you need to take and get away and rest and come apart before you come apart. But there's also to be the area of, of the discipline that you and I are supposed to have. And we're not to set in judgment upon somebody else. You've got a full-time job just taking care of you. Watch your own life. How close to the Lord are you? Are you growing closer to the Lord? And so he makes that statement there in verse 17. Endure but for a time. Afterwards, when afflictions or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. You ever see people who get so easily offended? Something goes wrong and they're so easily offended and get mad at it. Just that quick. I quit. You hurt me, I'm going to get even with you. You know, I'm going to get even attitude. Now, I know there's nobody like that here. But we know people like that, don't we? But like he says, you see that word endure? It doesn't say enjoy. There's a lot of things you may not enjoy in the Christian life. But we are to endure it. Take your Bible, look in 2 Timothy in chapter 2. 2 Timothy... In chapter 2, 
look at these verses because they're very, very important. Chapter 2, and look in verse 3. In verse 3, where he's, Paul writing to young Timothy, young man in the Lord, told him, says in verse 1, be strong in the grace of Christ, which I believe is referenced toward the gospel. Then he talks about the things that you have learned in verse 2. The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Just boom, 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 boom. Well, that's, that's, you know, one and another and another and another one. Then he says there in verse 3, Thou therefore enjoy hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Did I read it right? says, endure. Endure it. You see, if things are not going, endure it. If things don't go your way, so what? Who said it had to go your way? Who says it has to go my way? I'm supposed to be faithful. It doesn't matter which way things are going. doesn't matter who believes, doesn't believe, agree, disagree. Every one of us as a child of God are required to be disciplined where we will be faithful to the Lord regardless of what's going on. And endure. I wonder how long we're supposed to endure. Well, God says endure this hardness. Now look down in verse 10. See down in verse 10. Therefore, Paul doesn't ask somebody to do something he's not willing to do. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. God used the Apostle Paul to reach a lot of other people. And there's those who have trusted Christ as their Savior. And Paul wants these people to learn something, to grow in the Lord, to have something but it's going to be down the road. You see, our eternal weight of glory isn't in this life. It's in the one to come. But that's not just salvation. That's talking about what we're going to get because of our enduring this hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You see, right after this, he's talking about studying to show thyself approved unto God. So it's written to the believer. And that's why he made the statement down here, In verse 12, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. In other words, the things that you do for the Lord's sake, for the gospel's sake, Christ's sake, yeah. You're going to suffer for doing some of those things because of what you have to go through to get the people. There's a price we pay to win people to the Lord. There's a price that we have to pay. And so we are willing to pay that price every time we turn around. They just invited me to come back there to the gym so we could see that nice big old mat they got down for a one. I saw the mat. Cost $3,000. There's a price to pay. It was not free, but so that we can get more kids, so they can have more fun, and maybe, who knows? Everything has a value to it. The impact that you're going to make in kids' lives. There's an expense to running the bus every week to picking up kids, whether it's for a one for the ranch, We do it, but it costs insurance. Everything we have, everything we do is cost us, but there's a price to pay. 
But the suffering that we go through is because see, you only get one life to live, and you're taking your life to make some money. And then you're taking that money for the cause of Christ. So it's costing you. And you're going to do without things that other people maybe wouldn't do without. But there's a price to pay. Were you ever told that you must confess Christ before men to be saved? Were you warned that if you refused to confess Christ, He would not confess you before the Father? Just what does that mean? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me